0: All right, Efelechim Hanukkah, everybody. Uh, so tonight I wanted to focus on Hanukkah. There really isn't much in the way of Ibn Ezra on Hanukkah and the way we were able to connect um, the Ramban last year or the Rashbam the year before in to Hanukkah. In relation to Ibn Ezra, there wasn't that much I could do. So instead, we'll just really just focus on Hanukkah itself. So the title for today is No Two Cities Have Counted More With Mankind then Athens and Jerusalem, that comes from uh, the volume of published by Winston Churchill in his second volume on World War II. So Winston Churchill wrote the following, no two cities have counted more with mankind than Athens and Jerusalem. Their messages in religion, philosophy, and art have been the main guiding lights of modern faith and culture. Personally, I have always been on the sides of both and believed in their invincible power to survive internal strife and the world tides threatening their extinction. Wherever there are three Jews, there will be found two prime ministers and one leader of the opposition. The same is true of the Greeks, this other famous ancient race who stormy and endless struggle for life stretches back to the fountain springs of human thought. Winston Churchill in the middle of talking about World War II opens up a chapter with this paragraph as absolutely nothing to do with World War II. Um, It's a question of why he decided that he wanted to put it in there. But my focus for tonight is the relationship between Greek, uh, between Yavon and Judaism and Yadus and the Jewish people. It's not Churchill that noticed the affinity the similarity, the connectivity between the Jews and the Greeks, between Yefes, Yavon, and the Jewish people. Chazal already noticed it long before, very famously, the Gemara says in Megillah that you're able to write, according to the opinion of Avogadro, you're able to write a Sefer Torah in Greek. That is, if you have one Sefer Torah written with a letter missing, a letter is wrong. That sefer Torah cannot be used; it's Puzzle sefer Torah. But you can have an entire sefer Torah written in Greek, and that sefer Torah is kosher. That sefer Torah may be used. R' says, "When it comes to when it comes to things that require uh, a writing, those scrolls." can be written in Yuvonis. They can be written in Greek. We that you're to write a Sefer Torah entirely in Greek, and it's a kosher Sefer Torah. That is, we're not talking about writing Hebrew letters. We're not talking about I'm sorry, writing Hebrew language in Greek letters. We're saying writing the Sefer Torah in Greek, using the Greek language. That is, You're writing the Sefer Torah in Targum. You're right, but not Aramaic, tired of me writing it in, in Greek. Such a Sefer Torah to Vo, is entirely kosher. So I'm Rabbi Yechon. Rabbi Yechon said, what's the reason of Rav and Gamliel? How did he know that if you write a Sefer Torah entirely Greek, such a Sefer Torah is kosher? Because as a Pasuk in Pasha Sneiach, after the Kimni Epetz, after the, whatever, uh, or his, grandson had done to uh, Ne'ach's grandson Canaan had done to him, the punishment was that they would be uh, servants, but Ne'ach also gave a blessing to Yefes and to Shem, and the blessing was, Yef yeah, to the king of Yefes, V'yishkeim b'oleh Sheim, shal Yefes, Yefes b'oleh Okay. The words of Yefes. We're dashing from the pasuk. We're dashing that the words of Yefes should reside in the tents of in the of uh, in the tents of shame. What are the words of Yefes? The words of Yefes are the, the words of Yefes are their are their language. What does it mean residing in the tents of shame? What are the tents of shame? The Oli So the Gemara says that's what it means. Yef Yafu Shal Yefes. Yeah, hey, all shame. the most beautiful aspect of Yefes is their words, is their language, the Greek language is considered to be the apex of languages so that should reside, the beauty of Yefes is going to reside in the tents of shame the beauty of Yefes is their language their language is going to reside in the tent of shame and therefore the way we see that in practice is taking their language, putting it in the Torah and utilizing that Torah, that would be an entirely kosher safe Torah and it's mind-boggling that we pass like this, La Halacha That a Sefer Torah written in ancient Greek would be 100% kosher to be used, whereas a Sefer Torah written in Hebrew, but missing one letter, right, having a letter off, above, ayud, aleph, whatever, that Sefer Torah is possible. It's an amazing idea that points out to us how close the rabbis saw the nature of the Greek language to understanding Torah. That is to say, what is the problem with Targum generally? But well, if you look at the Megillah, Megillah to Esther, when Akashfiresh, every time he wants to write a letter, he's translating it out right into 127 language, Medina Medina, right? They're each getting a language, Khaksava, Foshina, they're each getting their own writing, their own handwriting, their own uh, language, their own, their own uh, um, spelling, their own alphabet. Why is that? Because if you if you take, a, say for, if you take a, a letter and you write it in a translation, it's never going to have that same oomph. It's never going to have that same clarity. It's never going to have that. There's going to be something that's going to be lost. The felicity of language, the fecundity of language is going to be lost in a translation. Some aspect of it will be lost. Um, and so in order to avoid that, you have them... Write out the the text of a decree or whatever it is that the safer is going to be sent out for in each and every language, such that you're able to get it across best as to what it is that you're trying to you're trying to say. Um, but that's the risk always of targum. That's always the risk of a translation. Um, if if you if you're somebody who doesn't understand a language if it's not your natural language you're going to have a problem you're going to miss something so you get it translated into your language you have a better shot to understand what they're trying to say the same is true when it comes to Torah there ter- is no different when you translate into Aramaic to some aspects of the, that you're losing the more beginning of Miguel wants to say that the Targum that we have on Chumash really comes from our Sinai so it includes you know a lot of it but but fundamentally Lush and Kurdish is going to have a level above any other language in terms of what it's trying to say, what is latent and pregnant in its words. And therefore, there's a challenge to translate it. The Gemara says in the that uh, Mishim and Gamliel said that the reason they were mater, writing a Sefer Torah in the Greek language, is because they, they checked to see whether or not a Sefer Torah uh, would be able to uh, the servitor was able to be translated whether the Pentateuch was able to be translated into other languages and they found that it could not the only language that was able to sort of have that felicity of language that fecundity that level of depth that latent depth that's in the Lush and Kurdish the only language that was able to do that was Greek that's telling you something amazing about Greek thought language is not independent of thought We know languages are are not they don't just come down, they're developed. What they're saying is if you're saying the Greek language is able to encompass all of this levels of depth of Torah, then what you're really saying is that Greek thought is so subtle. Greek thought is so developed because the language will follow the development of the thought of those people. Language is created, there are new words created every single year. Hundreds of new words are always always being created. There's always new words. If you look at a dictionary every year, they always tell you what their additions are from the year before. And the reason is because as life changes, as people's situations are altered, new words come into play. Sometimes words are lost. Over time, words become archaic. They're no longer used, or they're used in very different ways than they were once used. So what we're saying about the Greek language is not only that it has uh, the ability to be translated to Torah, the, the ability to translate Torah into Greek and use it that as a kosher sefer Torah. What you're really saying is, is that there's an appreciation, an affinity of the culture of Yavan that is such that it is as flexible a language to encompass all the multitudes of meanings that the Torah has, can also be seen in Greek. The there is a mesekh sefer. That says something that is quite different. In the second sayphram, it says that when Talmaymelch wanted the sefer Torah to be translated into Greek, so he, we know we know the story, brought all the rabbis, sat them all separately. They had all the same thoughts in terms of how to translate how to or how to deliberately mistranslate in order to ensure that Talma wouldn't be offended. and the 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 second saym says that when they translated, the Torah into Greek, mm-hmm. the day was so difficult for the Jewish people. It was like the day that they had worshipped the eagle. Why? Because by definition, Torah is not able to be tagim not able to be translated in full. And we saw the Ushami was different, right? The Ushami said that in fact, the Torah cannot be translated in full, except in Greek, and the. Sacro Sephum is saying no. When the Torah was translated into Greek, um, it was a terrible day. It was like the day of the ego, because really the Torah cannot be translated fully, even in Greek. So obviously, a difference of opinion within Fazal on this point. Practically, just in case anyone was concerned, that you might be coming across the Sefer Torah in Shul this week, that is going to be written in Greek. That would be a that would be very interesting. So today, that wouldn't be a kosher Sefer Torah. If you um, saw save a Sefer Torah in Shul this week that was written in Greek, you would know that that's not a kosher Sefer Torah. The reason for that is not because we don't pass like a Shemig Leo. We do. We pass like a Shemig Amlia. Torah written entirely in Greek is absolutely kosher. And if you found one, you could use it. The, the problem is that modern Greek of today is not the same as ancient Greek. Says the Rambam. The Rambam says, In Christ's home, Zuzul Allah Savar you're only allowed to write. The Torah and but you're also allowed to write the Torah in in uh, in Greek. But um, the ancient Greek is lost. We don't have we don't have ancient Greek anymore. It's gone. It's it's lost. We don't have it. So therefore, today we only write. We don't write in anything aside from We don't write in Greek. We don't write in anything. Other than the normative sefer that we see uh, in our shuls, but in theory, if somebody found an ancient Torah written entirely in Greek, you would be allowed to use it; it would be kosher. This idea that the that the Greeks are lost it's it's uh, the evanim Farnishka evanim olam the avad. This idea we, we see this idea repeated throughout halacha many times. For example, the the Gemara tells us uh, during the debate of Rabbi Shimon. Uh, I'm sorry, Rebbe Gamliel and um, Rebbe Yeshua about the you know, appropriate day of Yom Kippur and Rebbe Gamliel humiliated Rebbe Yeshua and he was dethroned from being the Nasi and the appointed of Elizabeth Nazar and that's where we get the whole story um, that we see about the Seder, right? That he was like 70 years old because we really only 18. So during that episode, the Gemara says that Rebbe is a testament to his character that he was doing what he thought was appropriate and correct and not doing it to, because he was, uh, you know, a megalomaniac, not doing it for uh, his own personal gain. says, He didn't miss a day in the base He was dethroned. He was no longer the Nazi. They threw him out of his job. He still came to He still came to the base madrush every day. And he still participated in the debates. Now as a regular person, no longer sitting in his, you know, his Nazi chair, but he still took part. He was still there. And it was a debate then because somebody came into the base manager. And he was, he was a, he was uh, from one of the four nations that we say that we're not going to take uh, people from. He's also of a bekal. So there was a person who was an Ammonite. He was from Ammon. He was a Gary. He came to the base of Manish And He wants to know if he can get married. And what's the story? So they said, Ragamil says, no, you're not allowed. They're not allowed to come in. So Rabbi Shua says. And we know, right, very famously, there was a debate about this in terms of Amaynas and Mayavas, but here in this case, it's a male, right? Amayni, Umay-Avi. And the Gemara says that, the Gemara says that he was asked um, that he, uh, the, the Gamliel, he wants to know if he can get married. Gamliel says, no, you're not allowed because um, you're an Amayni. Amaynis are not allowed. sure says, what are you talking about? Are these the same Amaynas that we had in the past? It's not the same Amaynas. is, is uh, is no longer. Why? Because came along and he mixed around all the peoples. We're going to learn that next week, Sedra, that th- this is also what Yosef HaTzadik did, right? Yes, was Hever Kol he, Ab. He moved around the Egyptians in different places. Why? So that nobody should be able to feel too much at home. Nobody should be able to feel. <clears throat> Apologies. He moved around the people so that nobody should feel at home such that they would be able to, uh, some say, you know, potentially hurt the Jewish people, his, his, uh, you know, his family. Um, others say so that they shouldn't rebel against Pharaoh because he was taking away all of their things. So by moving them around, so by moving them around, he makes them much more um, insecure about where they are. In any event, Sanchev did the same thing. And as a result of that, we no longer have these four nations. Anybody who wants to get married, who converts appropriately, Anyone can get married. We don't say to them, "Oh, you're an Ammoni, you're a Moavi, you're an Ademi, you're a Mitzvah. There's no issues like this anymore. Um, what is interesting, by the way, as an aside, is that um, at the end of the Mishnah Tareg, the Ramam is discussing the the nature of B'smila. The, the 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 mitzvah of doesn't just apply to the Jewish people. The Rambam says, "Hamila nistava ba'Avram bezare bilvad." The brisk meal was, was, uh, was given both to Avram and to his children, only to Avram and his children. But Avram didn't just have Yitzchak. he had other children. He had Yeshmo, and then he had all the Bnei Keturah. So the Pazik said, Atav Zarah, So we say that that it doesn't include uh, Yeshmo, because the Zarach was already born. Shmo got a brisk, but not, not his Zarach. Uh, um, but we have Yitzchak and Yitzchak had children. Uh, he had Aesop. So how do we know Aesop would be excluded? Um, so again, we say that, oh, he's not Zarahem. So we say Avram, that only the ones who are following in the footsteps of Avram of and are appropriately keeping to his ideology, those are the ones that are, that are and However, the Chazal say the Ramah brings down What about the Bene Kiturah? Bnei are born after Yitzhag, right? They're born after Yishmo, they're born afterwards. So they're not excluded, right? In those, in those uh definitions. uh You know, at least not clearly not clearly excluded, right? Zarah Karah is okay, it's not Ishmael. But how do you say it's not Bene They are, in fact, Zarah Akarachah that were born later. So the Gemara says that the V'nei Keturah are chayav and um, But says the Rabbah, Since the V'nei and the Keturah are all mixed together, All of them are chayav and both the V'nei and the V'nei The question you can ask is, one second. We said there's no Amainis, there's no Mayavis, there's no Mitris, there's no adaimis. Why are there b'nei khuturahs? Why are there b'nei ishmael? Why are we saying that that's any different? And here we can say to an Ibn Ezra. I wasn't going to bring it up. I didn't even think about it before. But there is a Ibn Ezra And a few weeks ago, sedra. The Ibn Ezra says, uh, towards the end of Parashas told us, I believe, if I recall correctly, the Ibn Ezra says something very interesting. He says that the adaimis um, are not Rome. yishmo is not the Arabs. Those <laughs> those are all names that we append to various different places and peoples. But Edom is not nowhere near Rome. Edom is in the south of Israel near a lot. was a you know nomadic tribe. It's not the global term that we give to the Arab people from you know the uh, from the Atlantic from Morocco all the way to Iran. So, be it as it may, the question will be on the Rambam if we're saying that we're pasting the halacha that Kherav comes along and his biblical and you say that therefore all the nations that are prohibited to be loved of they're prohibited to get married to the Jewish people and you're using Kherav's moving around of the people as a basis to allow anybody even if they live in Edom today even if they live in Amor today or Mayim today you're letting them all in. So then why not let in, why not let in the, uh, uh, why are you saying that the Ishmael, B'nai Ishmael, are, are all having to give a bismillah. They're all having a mitzvah to do a bismillah. There's nobody who's real B'nai Ishmael. There's nobody who's real B'nai Ketur anymore. There's nobody who's real anything. We'll leave that as a question. Moving on. So what we saw so far is that there seems to be a, a connection between Yavan and between the Jewish people. That connection is solidified by Halachic uh, ruling that allows us to say for tarot, which is the highlight, the pinnacle of Jewish thought. It's what we receive from Aisha Abenu from on high. That's allowed to be written in Greek. And even though normally we say translations have problems, they're not able to metagram quotar, It's very difficult for a translation to fully encompass all the meaning, all the latent pregnant meaning in every set in every in every word and every sentence. Nevertheless, we say Greek can do it. We do have a Chazal it seems to suggest otherwise, but that seems to be the Halakha, that we do allow a sefer to be written in Greek. If we had ancient Greek, that would be absolutely kosher to use a sefer However, it's clear that Chazal were of two minds, as we saw in the second Seder, from wasn't very happy and said that no, by definition, Torah cannot be written in Kotsachim to Greek. There seems to be a fundamental apprehension about the study of Greek. In And when we say the study of Greek, what I'm saying is is that the translation of Greek, the language of Greece has to be an embodiment, has to be emblematic of their culture, of their thought, of their wisdom. And that's the reason that the language can be so fecund, the language can be so fertile, to have in it all these levels of meaning. But Yehazal seemed to be very uncomfortable with the Greek wisdom, with the Greek thought. For example, we have a famous Kabar, it appears a few times in Shas. The Kabar tells us that there were certain commands. Certain things that were prohibited from being done um, as a result of, of various different or after various different persecutions. So the word says that they were geyser on chubas chasadin, on these sort of crowns that they, they would wear, the, the the grooms would wear. They said, You're not allowed to do it. And they ushered um, up teaching your son Yovanas, teaching your son Greek. What does it mean teaching your son Greek? I assume it means. It's not so 100% clear, but it soon means the language. It means their wisdom. That's you're not allowed to teach your son. I think Morgan's story. When did that band come into play? It came into play during the time of the base It came in the time of our of our holiday, right? Because as we know, the Hasheminoid didn't stay in their lane. Like the Hassan Sefer famously pointed out, the reason we don't have a Mishnais of because of the fact that we weren't so pleased with the Hashemino, although they started out well, they meant well, they helped the Jewish people, <coughs> they pushed out the Greeks. Nevertheless, the reality is they went out of their lane. And instead of just remaining as kahanim, they took on the Belucha. We cashed them, you know, like we say that Moshe Rabbeinu said about Karafran, we cashed them, So Moshe Rabbeinu, you know, had that as a lodging and complaint. Against the, you know, so you already have a good job, you already have a good position. What do you need more? So it was the same with the Beish right? you, have, you were kahana already, you already had that. So it wasn't enough for you, you had to do more. This is a problem. And so they ended up you know, waging tremendous war against each other, the Kashmirnov themselves. They got to fight over who would control the kingdom. Eventually, they're the ones who abandoned the Romans. Eventually, we had the destruction of the second temple. So during that time, it was, it was still leading the country. So it means during the time, the waning years of the second base, so there was Horkinus and Aristobulus who were fighting different versions of who was where, but basically these were two brothers who were mortal enemies and they were fighting over who would be in control. And Horganis was outside and Aristobulus was inside every day. <coughs> they would lower down a bunch of money and they would raise up a carbon, a carbon tub, to be able to be brought onto his manh. It was an old man who was there. He was an expert. He was he was an expert in, in Greek wisdom. So, He, he was What does that mean? We don't know yet. He did something in utilizing the Greek wisdom, which basically told the people on the outside, basically told Horkin his men, that if you keep on giving them these carbonis, these animals, and they keep on bringing these sacrifices. They're not going to lose the Mesa mikdash. You want to lose the Mesa mikdash? You need, in effect, to put a halt <coughs> to these sacrifices. The only way they can be able to do that is if they stop providing the uh, the animals for the sacrifices. So the next day, they send down the money and they put up a pig. The pig put his hooves in the walls of the of the of Yerushalayim, and the whole earth shook. That's the Gemara says, and. Therefore, says the Gemara, as a result of that, they said, anybody who's going to you know, raise pigs, a pig farmer, he's a curse. And also, cursed is somebody who teaches his child, teaches his child Greek wisdom. Those two kinds of people are cursed. That was a result, as a result of the story that we see here. But the Debar says that's not true for everyone. <laughs> is that really true? It's usher for everyone? Chachma Tzivonus it's not true. We have a Pasuk, any other than a Nafshi, we have a that that's talking about the, the, the various different things of destruction. The Kolbenized theory that there was, uh, from all the various other cities, that this was the worst destroyed city. So the Gemara says, "Elip you love them Veis Abba." Rav says that in his father's house, in Shmuel's South, there was a thousand children. Five hundred would study Torah. Five hundred would study Hakham Five hundred By the they had there was nobody left except for me and and my cousin who who lived somewhere else. So that's that was all that was left over for these thousand children. Do you have a thousand children studying Hakham you know, yeah, I'm sorry, you have a 1,000 children, 500 studying kakmas 500 studying tariff. So you see clearly, a lot of studying kakmas yamanas, even though they had a gazera that said, "Are a person who is being, uh, you know, Yagda, there and or somebody who's teaching in kakmas yamanas, not true? You see that they had, uh, in Galil's house, they were teaching you. So on that, the Gemara answers, no, that was a special exception. What was the special exception? Was because of the fact that he was part of because of the fact that we was was in us, he had to interact with the Mafas, with the Maluka. They had to study classy so in order to be able to have it sort of for, for the helping of the Jewish people, for the betterment of the Jewish people. They needed to be able to be fluent in what the their you know, their opposites were thinking. Um, you, you can't be a good interlocutor if you don't know the language, if you don't know the culture, if you don't understand what's going on and what the conversation's about. So, therefore, they had to become experts in the conversation. They had to be experts when the Greeks were expert in in order to be able to help out the Jewish people. I think where we've arrived from others that someone who's carved out Malchus is even allowed to take a Greek-style haircut and the like. So, what we're seeing from this gemara is that there was a gazera against studying Chochemot uh, Sivanet. That is to say, there seems to have been a, a problem that was Chazal, uh, even uh, before, right? This is the reason we make that they had was studying, uh, you know, the Greek wisdom. Now, is there a fundamental difference between Yabanis and Chakmah Yavonis? Like I said, I don't really believe that the language of Yabanis is that much different than the culture the wisdom of Yavon, because the way you get that language, the way you get that language to be so, so elastic and so full of meaning and layers is only because of the fact that we have such a deep culture such a deep amount of wisdom. So we have another Gemara. It's also seems to indicate the same. We have a Gemara of Benakis, the Gemara says that the nephew of Shmo. The nephew of Richmond wanted to uh, study Yovanus. And because he said that to his uncle, I'm a, I'm a big fucking collateral cool. I know everything. I know everything. And I'd like to study Yvanis. So what when should I study it? You should study at a time that's not day or not night. What do you mean, at a time that's not day or not night? Basically, meaning, don't study it. it. Means to say this is not necessarily as a result of. Uh, the decree, or maybe it is, it's not clear from the Gemara, He's just saying, you have a mission to learn. So go find the time, it's not day or not night. Doesn't sound like, he, you could understand that he's saying, literally, you could, if you find the time, it's not day or night, you could study it. But that's only in theory. In practice, there is no such time where you, where you won't have a day or night. It's always going to be day or night. So therefore, you practically can't study it, which is in effect thing. you can't study it. Um, but uh but that's not because greek wisdom is bad it's just because terror is primary terror is the is the, is the terror is the main thing that's one way to see the world the other way to see the world is that no really greek wisdom is terrible greek wisdom is a horrible thing and that's why he's saying that you you can only study it in time it's not day or night meaning you can never study it so it's not 100 percent clear is he saying that the reason that you shouldn't be studying greek is because terror is the ichor terror is the main and, and most important thing to study or is it because Kachmosim is really a terrible thing? It's not clear, hundred percent. There is a similar, uh, this word, there is a similar measure, uh, A Kazala a person who says after, and Avodah uh, uh, same idea. The, the same story with Hashemol. We have the same story with every Yeshua. <laughs> And He's saying the same thing to his uh, family member who wants to also study. Uh, you know, uh, it says you can't study it, except for the time it's not there or night because again, uh, I'd just like to point out, if this is true, that Rabbi Shua had the same exact story as Rabbi Ishmael, then it becomes very interesting, because Rabbi Ishmael, we know, had limited tolerance for very his very nephew, Ben Dama. Um, Mark tells us to Navarra that he was in danger of his own life, um, and he had a possibility to be healed by somebody who was like a, a mid, somebody who was, you know, not on the, the straight and narrow path, Nebushua wouldn't allow it. Nebushua said, nope, you know, it's better to die than to uh, be healed by an appropriate person. So you, you see that Nebushua could, you know, take a very strong position on something and, you know, clearly he was doing it here as well. Nebushua is interesting because we have examples of Nebushua using and utilizing um, Greek wisdom, we have a medrash uh, where in, uh, we have a medrash rabbi, uh, uh, the medrash says that the Jewish people, they thought they were going to be able to rebuild the base of the They started rebuilding it. And then they got stuck because people uh, were bad badmouthing the crown. They were prevented. And the people wanted them to rebel. And he told them, uh, Mashal, he said, no, no, don't rebel. Why shouldn't you rebel? He said, Because imagine you have a situation where you have, you know, the story of the of the lion and the crane, right? The lion has a bone stuck in its tooth and the lion needs to get the bone out. So it asks somebody, whoever gonna help the lion is <laughs> gonna be you know, rewarded handsomely. So the crane, he has a long beak. So he comes over to the lion, he manages to get out the bone and then he says to the lion, where's my reward? The lion says, your reward. You're not getting a reward, the fact that you managed to get in and out of the mouth of a liar without losing your life, that's reward enough. That's a story to go out and tell people for ages. That's the same. There's a beach over here at the Romans. You know, they they're they're very difficult. They, you know, gave us permission to build a temple, and now they're giving us no permission, they're telling taking it away. We're very upset. But at least we were able to be this was Michelle and Michelle. So it's true, we're not gonna get to be able to build a mission of English. We can't be so angry. Thank God we didn't get hurt. That seems to be the Opinion of Rabbi Shua. Now, this, uh, this it, it can't be the same Rabbi Shua as the as the Rabbi Shua Ben Chanania who we have. But whoever this Rabbi Shua is, it's not clear. But this Rabbi Shua uh, is clearly utilizing the the uh, clearly utilizing Aesop's fable, right? The, the the story of the crane and the lion is a classic Greek fable, but. Even if this is not Reb Yeshua, it's not the Reb Yeshua, uh, the Tsefka, again, not 100% clear. Um, there's another Reb that's Gabar Gebar and uh, That Gabar and tells us that Reb Yeshua was having a debate in front of the governor, and uh, the, there was a person opposite him who was, who was miming that the Jewish people are not legitimate, that their God doesn't love them. And he was lying back. The Jewish people are legitimate. Like God does love us. And the person was asked by the governor, "What's going on?" So the person said, "You know, the he first asked him, what 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 are you doing here?'" So he says, "Look, the guy told me the Jewish people are not a real people. And God doesn't love us." And I told him, Jewish people are great. Like God really loves us. So then he asked the other guy, who was big lies, "What are you doing?" So he tells him, "I told him the Jewish people are not a real people." He said, "What did you? What did he say back to you?" He says, oh, "I don't know. I couldn't figure out what he said." So he said, you have a chutzpah to be to be miming various things in front of me and you don't even understand the language, you know, off with your head. So he gets rid of this guy. And that's the that vice, but the, what I want to focus on is that Rishu was able to respond back in kind. He understood the miming that was going on in Greek culture. And to me, the language here is amazing, right? Because he's, he's using some sort of a sign language. He's using some sort of a sign language to be able to to talk to this person. And pre- perhaps, or presumably, that's exactly what um the the the, the old man did, in the story of progress and stopped. What did they do? We don't know what the old person did somehow, but he told them the chachmas y Loy is loyal What does it mean, it sounds like he hinted at something. So it doesn't sound like what we're what we're talking about is um, something in science or something in math. It sounds like he did some sort of a sign, some sort of a miming, that said that the Jewish people are not a real people. The Jewish people somehow, to, uh, I'm sorry, in the case of is and Aristotle that said that somehow, the, the, if you stop the carbon, then the Jewish people will lose the base of America. Okay. And that was what the message that he gave to Horganism. So when you're saying that you're cursing, anybody who learns questions of artists, you're not talking about learning Greek science. You're not talking about anybody learning the Greek culture. You're talking about somebody specifically learning this, this miming trick. That's what it sounds like is really being banned. And as we're pointing out, even the people who might even be banning it, they seem to be utilizing when it's due to them. So clearly they're adept in it, right? We have in Gemara, famous Gemara Becherus, the Roshua, again, a has a whole whole interaction with the Chachmei Atuna, with the with the scholars of Athens, and he manages to trick them, get them uh, through parables and, and, and various witty approaches. He manages to be able to really uh, take advantage of the of the Greek scholars. I mean, he was fully adept and versed in the Greek wisdom and the Greek culture. So to the contrary of saying that, you know, or for somebody who's played Calcman Jiovanas, A, it seems that they were very well versed the Kokman And now you might say, okay, well, for sure, he, maybe it was Carvomaltus. Maybe, maybe he was. Um, certainly he he, he had to do with the, the various governors, for sure. Maybe, but it it it, uh, it that that could be an answer to explain why this would not be a a, a challenge to the notion, but more simply, it's, you know, it sounds like what the Gamar is saying is somebody who's is is not talking about studying math. It's not talking about studying the culture. It's not talking about studying the the Messiah. The it sounds like it, what it's asking up is what that old man did, which is using some sort of miming motion to be able to signal. Um, uh, um, you know, to the outsiders, what had to be done in, in that case, in order to have the, the basic be destroyed. In which case, then it becomes a very limited ban, and the ban is specifically because of the destruction of Jewish life, which is how the context is that it comes up. In other words, we are making from this ban of studying of into a whole new, you know, rule against the Greeks. Where is that seen? Where is that abasant? If anything, we have a very close affinity to the Greeks. So why are we banning everything from the Greeks? If we understand it in a more limited way, then what we're banning from the Greeks is really something that helped cause the destruction of Mithamikta. But we're not banning the Manda. We're not banning the, science, the mathematics, the philosophy of the Greeks. That, that's perhaps the 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 correct understanding of that gemara. That is the understanding of the Rebush and, and others in terms of what that gemara was trying to do. However, it doesn't stop us. I'm saying that we won't have time to get into it in terms of the Rishonim's uh, problems with <coughs> Greek wisdom. we many of the problems, et cetera, that exist. I don't have time for that right now. But from Chazal, it doesn't seem 100% clear that it will be fear on the basis of this story, which appears a few times in Shas by Horkheim and Aristotle, to say that there was a blanket ban of Chaklajibonis. could very well be referred to just the remiza, just the layered aspect of it. Um, as A, B, it means that perhaps i be sure, itself didn't abide by the bat, although you might want to say that that was because it was terrible. Okay. The, the 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 next thing I'd like to, to focus on is, um, in relation to this, is just a point to note that it's not a fair characterization to say that are not, not against talk with you on it. We've already mentioned the second service is the Turk cannot be tired of cold in your abundance. Are we also have the favor? Famous Gemara is about The Gemara says that Acha went off for a number of reasons. Different reasons given to different places. Um, some say it's because his father dedicated to the study of Torah. That he was at a brisk. And he saw the Mishua, Galil, they were discussing Torah. <coughs> there was a heavenly fire around them. He was so enamored by that, he dedicated to, dedicate to the study Torah. Maybe um, that was the reason why his son eventually went off. But other reasons that are given, So the Gemara says that there was a So Acher never stopped singing Greek music. He was very interested in uh, in the non-Jewish Greek songs of his day. And that is used by the Gemara as an explanation. And he was reading secular books. He was reading books that were outside of the, you know, accepted uh, accepted canon of of books that one reads. He was reading Greek wisdom. He was reading Mada. And therefore... That's why he went on. So it seems clear that there was an aspect of Greek culture, nothing to do with the Corbin that Chazal files as an anathema. Chazal files that to explain why somebody can become a heretic. That is to say, we have another problem now with the Greek. The Greek mado, the Greek wisdom, the science, their math, is not leading us closer to the Chachonis It is actually taking us farther away. This challenge of the Bada the taking us away is something that is not the same as saying that, oh, it's, very, it's what caused the destruction of right, the sure. This is a very different reason, and this reason is what really goes um, uh, for all the Rashidim that are against MAGA, It's on this basis. It's on the basis that it leads you to heresy On the basis that it takes you away from my mothers So the 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 way I just maybe a couple more things on this before we move on, just to again give the full picture, is that we mentioned that the of Megillah, we mentioned that Rabbi is the, that, like, Sorry, <laughs> it, um, is the one who says the Talakh is like Rabbi Shimma Gabriel. Sorry, one second. We said that it's Rabbi Avo, who's the one who says the name Rabbi Avo, and this very same Rabbi Avoh, uh, who says that uh, Alakos the name of Rabbi the the name of Rabbi Yechonan that Alakos like Rashi that your lap is translated in the Greek and it's kosher? That's the very same Rabbi Yehov does in the Ushalmi again quoting Rabbi Yechonan that Laadam muter is adam la lamid is bita echach ma'chivanas. Why? Because it's a, a it's a, a it's a, like a, a jewel. It's, a, it's an adornment for her. That is to say, according to Rabbi Avoh, you're allowed to teach your daughter Yvonne. Are you allowed, allowed to send her to college? Why is that? Because it's an adornment for her to have this information. Why is that an adornment for her? Why is it an adornment for her to have this information? That's a question that we don't have uh, you know, an easy answer for. Why is it an dormant for her? Specifically a woman, for, more, than, uh, more than a man. Gemara already didn't like it. Gemara says that Rabbi Boa challenges Rabbi Avoh and says, you want that to teach your daughters your mama. And so, therefore, you were told of that sheet are Rabbi Yechon. Rabbi says back, Pastor <inaudible> Hashem should kill me if I am lying about this. Of course, I got this from Rabbi Yechon. And Rabbi the like Gemara tells us the book was a very beautiful head, so bad. Like Rabbi Yechon was a very beautiful head, so bad. Rabbi Yechon is not included in the list of beautiful heads in Mamorah, because of the fact that Rabbi Yechon didn't have a beard. Rabbi Bo was a very handsome person. He was chosen as the crown rabbi in Kisariah, which is doubles a very Roman city. So Riveau had a natural affinity. He dealt a lot with the government, with, with the with the government. He used to think to him like Martel when he used to come around. So Bavo is a special person, and he holds that it's mutter for a person to teach his daughter Yisbunis because of the tax to for her. Another point to mention is that there appears a few times in Khasal we find in Yishalvim that when they ban Kafun Yisbunis or they didn't sorry that when they banned Kafun they, they, they banned. They banned. Sparam and what is included within Sparam Khitainim was the safer of Homer, Homeram, which we assume not everybody says the same. But many people assume that it, it's either Homer or it's just Greek books in general. Um, we see also that in the Yadaiim that that Homer is not uh, is not uh, it has no holiness. No, it has no it has no major value. So what we're seeing is is that there wasn't definitely. A challenge to this notion that there should be an affinity between Greek wisdom and Torah. That challenge could have been a very limited challenge, a specific type of miming sign language, or it could have been more general. But even if it was more general, it could have been very specific to, you know, the situations of. Of uh, <coughs> it could have been, um, you know, uh, 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 limited to, to to the fact that. It was as a result of the korban Abba. It, it it's not a response to Greek wisdom in general. It's, it's a specific thing in relation to the destruction of the temple, what happened. It's also pretty limited, which means you can still study Chakmah. It's just not uh, ideal because of the destruction of the temple. But otherwise, it would be of no issue. We see that even after this, it's better to your daughter, Yvonne. We see, however, that there's challenges that could cause heretics. Haqamah Shivan has a problem and it could cause heresy. And that's a much more fundamental problem. Presumably it could cause heresy for your daughters also. But that does seem to be a concern for, her, for, her, for, her, for, her, for her. But this larger matter issue, which we don't have time to, to, to review today, is really the issue that underlies all of the Rishonim and the Akhranam that go after studying Mada generally, which is always understood as sort of Haqamah Shivan. That is, it should not be conflated with the ban that they made on as a result of the destruction of the base of English, because that can either be understood in a very limited way as the Ramizna, as the last sign language, or it can be understood more gene- more generally as a, as a ban on Yafanas. But but it's only as a response to the destruction of English, and obviously to save a life, to you know to enhance life, to, to know these things, you wouldn't say such a ban. But the larger picture. Issue that we see in relation to Africa, that we see in relation to the term concern, we see in relation to other things that the Khakhmashivanas can cause heresy, that's already a fundamental problem. That's already a fundamental challenge. That's not easily dealt with. And that is what occupies the Rishani with our friend for the present day of how much secular knowledge is appropriate. Under the rubric of Professional, does it matter? does this aspect of, of, of the knowledge of the world take us closer or farther away from our kind and I think one of the ways to see this debate on uh, the affinity of the Greeks to Yah is to see it in that lens. And it's to see it in the lens that we have of um, Kakma versus Terra. Because at the end of the day, fundamentally, if you do believe that Akharaj Baruch was created, every aspect of the universe, then Getting to know every aspect of the universe is a part of getting to understand Torah. Now there really is nothing that isn't Torah. If done the right way, every single aspect of the universe should be able to get you closer to Torah. The Rama starts out mission Mishnah Torah with Hilchus and Torah. And what is Hilkhas Mishnah Torah? It is fundamentally a disquisition on science, because that is not, science. It's not like just some separate scholastic endeavor called science. No, it's part of Terra. It is absolutely just as much a part of Terra as the Shulchan Ar. If you studied it correctly, if you studied it rightly, if you understood, Dover Dover, then it wouldn't cause heresy. It would be exactly the opposite. It would get you closer and closer like God is wrong, to appreciate the wisdom, the infinite wisdom that is built in this universe. And so perhaps one way to look at this is, yes, there is an affinity, a very long historical connection between Yefes, between Yavan and the Jewish people, 100% there is, but that affinity has been challenged. It was challenged practically because of their attempt to hurt the Jewish people, to weaken the observance of the Pharaoh during the second Mishnah. But by and large, it's been filled with very rich uh, interactions and relationships Grembi and Antoninus as a classic example. Um, there, there, there is an affinity that is long-lasting between these two nations, between what they've given to humanity. And studying it correctly can be incredibly enriching in terms of understanding Akhundzadeh's world. However, there are perils, there are pitfalls, there are possibilities that could cause a person to go off. But the study of Bada is devoid of understanding. What is underneath, who's caused it. If you're not understanding government government, if you just look at the uh, nature and make assumptions without asking about the prime move, without asking the question why, and you just end up focused on the nature aspect itself, the nature itself becomes a curtain blocking you off from really appreciating and really apprehending the silence, the invisible hand that's moving everything. If that's the case, then you understand. The fear that Hazal had to be too engaged in Khakhpur's but It's not as a response to the destruction of it, it's as a response to not a lot of being studied, devoid of the probable cause of everything that exists. So, Mr. Shim, we should be able to, on this Hanukkah, be able to take the, the Bada aspect of the world that we come across every day, even if we're not carbon monoclonal, to be engaged, to understand what's going on, to appreciate the genius. Every day they come up with new new ideas. be able to tie that back to Yahadah, be able to tie that back to Jewish life can be an incredibly enriching thing. We show that This Hanukkah, have a enlightened and lit up life and all of this aspect. Have a good Shabbos. The good.